are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. The Sapphire Planet. The space shuttle was a manned orbital rocket and spacecraft system operated by NASA on a hundred and thirty five missions from 1981 to the year 2011. The system combined rocket launch, orbital spacecraft, and re-entry space plane with the modular add-ons Major missions included launching numerous satellites and interplanetary probes conducting space science experiments and 37 missions constructing and servicing the International Space Station. A major international contribution was the Space Lab payload suite from the European Space Agency. Major components included the orbiter, recoverable boosters, external tanks, payloads, and supporting infrastructure. This was orchestrated by thousands and thousands of people. The space shuttle was a partially reusable launch system an orbital spacecraft operated by the U.S. National Aeronautics and Space Administration, NASA. This was solely for human spaceflight missions from 1981 to 2011. The system combined rocket launch, orbital spacecraft, and re-entry space plane with modular add-ons. 
The first four orbital test flights occurred in 1981, leading to operational flights beginning in 1982. All flights of the Space Shuttle was launched from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida. The system was retired from service in the year 2011 after completing 135 missions. On July 8, 2011, with Space Shuttle Atlantis performing that 135th launch, the final launch of the three-decade shuttle program. The program ended after Atlantis landed at the Kennedy Space Center on July 21, 2011. Major missions include launching numerous satellites and interplanetary probes, conducting space science experiments, and servicing and construction of the space stations. Enterprise was a prototype orbiter used for atmospheric testing during development in the 1970s and lacked engines and heat shield. Five space-worthy orbiters were built. Two were destroyed in accidents and the others have now been retired. It was used for orbital space missions by NASA, the U.S. Department of Defense, the European Space Agency, Japan, and Germany. The United States funded Space Transportation System, STS, development, and shuttle operations, except for Space Lab D1 and D2, sponsored by West Germany and reunified Germany, respectively. In addition, SLJ was partially funded by Japan. At launch, it consisted of the stack, including a dark orange-colored external tank two white, slender, solid rocket boosters, SRBs, and the orbiter vehicle, OV, which contained the crew and the payload. Some payloads were launched into higher orbits with either of two different booster stages developed for the STS, single-stage payload assist module, or two-stage inertial upper stage. The space shuttle was stacked in the vehicle assembly building, and the stack mounted on a mobile launch platform, held down by four 
explosive bolts on each solid rocket booster, which were detonated at launch. The shuttle stack launched vertically like a conventional rocket. It lifted off under the power of its two solid rocket boosters and three main engines, which were fueled by liquid nitrogen and liquid oxygen from the external tank. The space shuttle had a two-stage ascent. The SRBs provided additional thrust during liftoff and first stage flight. About two minutes after liftoff, explosive bolts were fired, releasing the SRBs, which then parachuted into the ocean to be retrieved by ships for refurbishment and reuse. The shuttle orbiter and external tank continued to ascend on increasingly horizontal flight path under power from its main engines. Upon reaching 17,500 miles per hour, or 7.8 kilometers per second, which is necessary for low Earth orbit, the main engines were then shut down. The external tank was then jettisoned to burn up in the Earth's atmosphere. After jettison the external tank, the orbital maneuvering system engines were used to adjust the orbit. These engines are also known as OMS engines. The orbiter carried people and payload, such as satellites or space station parts, into low Earth orbit, into the Earth's upper atmosphere or thermosphere. Usually, five to seven crew members rode in the orbiter. Two crew members, the commander and the pilot, were sufficient for a minimal flight, as in the first four test flights, STS-1 through STS-4. The typical payload capacity for the space shuttle was about 22,700 kilograms or 50,000 pounds. But it could be increased depending on the choice of launch configuration. The orbiter carried its payload in a large cargo bay with doors that open along the length of its top, a feature which made the space shuttle unique among spacecraft. This feature made possible the deployment of large satellites, such as 
the Hubble Space Telescope and also the capture and return of large payloads back to Earth. When the orbiter's space mission was complete, it fired its OMS thrusters to drop out of orbit and re-enter the lower atmosphere. During descent, the orbiter passed through different layers of the atmosphere and decelerates from hypersonic speed primarily by aerobraking. In the lower atmosphere and landing phase, it was more like a glider, but with reaction control system thrusters and fly-by-wire controlled hydraulically actuated flight surfaces controlling its descent. It landed on a long runway as a space plane. The aerodynamic shape was a compromise between the demands of radically different speeds and air pressures during re-entry hypersonic flight, and subsonic atmospheric flight. As a result, the orbiter had a relatively high sink rate at low altitudes, and it transitioned during re-entry from using RSC thrusters at very high altitudes to flight surfaces in the lower atmosphere. The formal design of what became the Space Shuttle began with Phase A, contract design studies issued in the late 1960s. However, conceptualization began two decades earlier, before the Apollo program of the 1960s. One of the places the concept of a spacecraft returning from space to a horizontal landing originated was, with, was within the NACA in 1954 in the form of an aeronautics research experiment later named the X-15. In 1958, the X-15 concept further developed into proposal to launch a X-15 into space, and another X-series aerospace plane proposal called the X-20, which was not constructed, as well as a variety of aerospace plane concepts and studies. Neil Armstrong, the first man to walk on the moon, was selected 
to pilot both the X-15 and the X-20. Though the X-20 was not built, another space plane similar to the X-20 was built several years later and delivered to NASA in January 1966, called the HL-10. HL stood for Horizontal Landing. In the mid-1960s, the U.S. Air Force conducted a series of classified studies on next-generation space transportation systems and concluded that semi-reusable designs were the cheapest choice. It proposed a development program with an immediate start on a Class I vehicle with expendable boosters, followed by slower development of a Class II semi-reusable design and perhaps a Class III fully reusable design later. In 1967, a one-day symposium was held at NASA headquarters to study the options. Eighty people attended the presentation and presented a wide variety of designs, including earlier Air Force designs as the Dinosaur, otherwise known as the X-20. In 1968, NASA officially began work on what was then known as the Integrated Launch and Reentry Vehicle, or ILRV. At the same time, NASA held a separate Space Shuttle Main Engine competition. NASA offices in Houston and Huntsville jointly issued a request for proposal for a ILRV study to design a spacecraft that could deliver a payload into orbit but also re-enter the atmosphere and fly back to Earth. For example, one of the responses was for a two-stage design featuring a larger booster and a smaller orbiter called the DC-3, one of several Phase A shuttle designs. After the Phase A studies, Phase B, C, and D phases progressively evaluated in-depth designs up to 1972. In the final design, the bottom stage was recoverably recoverable solid rocket boosters and the top stage used an expendable external tank, exactly what we used today. 
1969, President Richard M. Nixon decided to support proceeding with space shuttle development. A series of development programs and analysis refined the basic design prior to full development and testing. In August 1973, the X-24B proved that an unpowered space plane could re-enter Earth's atmosphere for horizontal landing. Across the Atlantic, European ministers met in Belgium in 1973 to authorize Western Europe's manned orbital project and its main contribution to space, the Space Shuttle, the Space Lab program. Space Lab would provide a multidisciplinary orbital space laboratory and additional space equipment for the shuttle. The space shuttle was the first operational orbital spacecraft designed for reuse. It carried different payloads to low Earth orbit, provided crew rotation for the International Space Station, and performed servicing missions. The orbiter could also recover satellites and other payloads from orbit and return them to Earth. Each shuttle was designed for a projected lifespan of 100 launches or 10 years of operational life, although this was later extended. The person in charge of designing the STS was Maxime Fage, who had also overseen the Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo spacecraft designs. The crucial factor in the size and shape of the shuttle orbiter was the requirement that it be able to accommodate the largest planned commercial and military satellites and have the cross-range recovery range to meet the requirements for classified U.S. Air Force missions for a once-around abort from a launch to a polar orbit. Factors involved in opting for solid rockets and an expendable fuel tank included the desire of the Pentagon to obtain high-capacity payload vehicle for satellite deployment and the desire of the Nixon administration to reduce the costs 
of space exploration by developing a spacecraft with reusable components. Each space shuttle is a reusable launch system that is composed of three main assemblies. The reusable orbiter vehicle, or OV, the expendable external tank, or ET, and the two reusable solid rocket boosters, SRBs. Only the orbiter entered the orbit shortly after the tank and boosters are jettisoned. The vehicle was launched vertically like a conventional rocket and the orbiter glided to a horizontal landing like an airplane, after which it was refurbished for reuse. The SRBs parachuted to splashdown in the ocean where they were towed back to the shore and refurbished for later shuttle missions. Five space-worthy orbiters were built. Columbia, OV-102, Challenger, OV-099, Discovery, OV-103, Atlantis, OV-104, and Endeavour, OV-105. A mock-up named Explorer OV-100 currently stands at the entrance to the Astronaut Hall of Fame at the Kennedy Space Center. An additional craft, Enterprise OV-101, was not built for orbital spaceflight and was used only for testing, gliding, and landing. Enterprise was originally intended to be made fully space-worthy after use for the approach and landing test program. But it was found more economical to upgrade the structural test article into Orbiter Challenger. The Challenger went from Structural Test Article, STA-099, into Challenger, OV-099. The Challenger met a terrible freight, disintegrating 73 seconds after launch in 1986 and the Endeavour was built as a replacement for Challenger from structural spare components. Columbia broke apart 
during re-entry in the year 2003. Building the Space Shuttle Endeavour to replace the Challenger cost about $1.7 billion. One Space Shuttle launch costs around $450 million per launch. It is estimated that the Space Shuttle program has cost the U.S. approximately $170 billion through the year 2008. This works out to an average cost per flight of about $1.5 billion. However, two missions were paid for by Germany. Space Lab D1 and D2. The D stood for Deutschland. With a payload control center in Oberpfaffenhofen, Germany. Space Lab D1 was the first time that control of a manned shuttle mission payload was not in U.S. hands. At times, the orbiter itself is referred to as the Space Shuttle. Technically, this is a slight misnomer, as the actual space transportation system was the combination of the orbiter, the external tanks, and the two solid rocket boosters. Combined, these were referred to as the stack. The components were assembled in the vehicle assembly building, originally built to assemble the Apollo Saturn V rocket. Responsibility for the shuttle components was spread among multiple NASA field centers. The Kennedy Space Center was responsible for launch, landing, and turnaround operations for equatorical orbits. The only orbit profile actually used in the program was equatorial. However, the U.S. Air Force at the Vandenberg Air Force Base was responsible for launch, landing, and turnaround operations for polar orbits. Polar orbits were never used during the life of the space shuttle. The Johnson Space Center served as the central point for all shuttle operations. The Marshall Space Flight Center 
was responsible for the main engines, external tank, and solid rocket boosters. The John C. Stennis Space Center handled main engine testing, and the Goddard Space Flight Center managed the global tracking network. The orbiter resembles a conventional aircraft with double delta wings swept at 81 degrees at the inner leading edge and 45 degrees at the outer leading edge. Its vertical stabilizer's leading edge is swept back at 50 degree angle. The four elevons mounted on the trailing edge of the wings and the rudder speed brake attached to the trailing edge of the stabilizer with the body flap control the orbiter during descent and landing. The orbiter's payload bay measures 15 by 60 feet or 4.6 by 18 meters comprising most of the fuselage. Information declassified in the year 2011 showed that the payload bay was designed specifically to accommodate the KH-9 hexagon spy satellite operated by the National Reconnaissance Office of the United States. You might know this satellite better as the Keyhole Spy Satellite that operated high above the Earth. Two mostly symmetrically lengthwise payload bay doors hinged on either side of the bay comprising its entire top. Payloads are generally loaded horizontally into the bay while the orbiter is oriented vertically at the launch pad and unloaded vertically in the near weightless orbital environment by the orbiter's robotic remote manipulator arm which is under astronaut control. EVA astronauts or under the payload's own power. As for satellites attached to a rocket upper stage for deployment. Three space shuttle main engines are mounted on the orbiter's aft fuselage in a triangular pattern. The engine nozzles can swivel 10.5 degrees up and down and 8.5 degrees from side to side during ascent to change the direction of their thrust to steer the shuttle.
the orbital structure is made primarily from aluminum alloy, although the engine structure is primarily made from titanium alloy. The main function of the Space Shuttle external tank was to supply the liquid oxygen and hydrogen fuel to the main rocket engines. It was the backbone of the launch vehicle, providing attachment points for the two solid rocket boosters and the orbiter. The external tank was the only part of the shuttle system that was not reused. Although the external tanks were always discarded, it would have been possible to take them into orbit and reuse them as structure or backbone incorporated into a space station. Two solid rocket boosters each provided 12.5 million newtons or 2.8 million foot-pounds of thrust at liftoff, which was 83% of the total thrust needed for liftoff. The SRBs were jettisoned two minutes after launch at the height of about 150,000 feet or 46 kilometers and then deployed parachutes and landed in the ocean to be recovered. The SRB cases were made of steel about one half inch thick or 13 millimeters thick. The solid rocket boosters were reused many times. The casing used in Ares 1 engine testing in 2009 consisted of motor cases that have been flown collectively on 48 shuttle missions, including STS 1. The orbiter could be used in conjunction with a variety of add-ons depending on the mission. This has included initial lab orbital laboratories such as Space Lab and Space Hab, also boosters for launching payloads farther into space, also known as inertial upper stage or payload assist module and other functions such as provided by extended duration orbiter, multi-purpose logistic modules or Canada arm. An upper stage called 
transfer orbit stage, which was from the Orbital Science Corp, TOS-21, was also used once. Other types of systems and racks were part of the modular space lab system. Pallets, igloo, IPS, which were also supported special missions such as SRTM. A major component of the space shuttle program was Space Lab, primarily contributed by a consortium of European countries and operated in conjunction with the United States and international partners. Supported by a modular system of pressurized modules, pallets, and systems, Space Lab missions executed on multidisciplinary science, orbital logistics, international cooperation. Over 29 missions flew on subjects ranging from astronomy, microgravity, radar, and life and sciences. Space Lab hardware also supported missions such as Hubble, servicing, and space station resupply. STS-2 and STS-3 provided testing, and the first full mission was Space Lab 1, STS-9, launched on November 28, 1983. Space Lab formally began in 1973 after a meeting in Brussels, Belgium by European heads of state. Within the decade, Space Lab would go into orbit and provide not only Europe but also the United States with an orbital workshop and hardware system. International cooperation, science, and exploration were realized on Space Lab. The shuttle was one of the earliest crafts to use computerized fly-by-wire digital flight control systems. This means no mechanical or hydraulic linkages connected the pilot's control stick to the control surfaces or reaction control system thrusters. A concern with digital fly-by-wire systems is reliability. Considerable research went into the shuttle computer system. The shuttle used five identical redundant IBM 32-bit general purpose computers, model AP-101s, consisting a type of embedded system. 
four computers, ran specialized software called the Primary Avionics Software System, or PASS. A fifth backup computer ran separate software called Backup Flight System, or BFS. Collectively, they were called the Data Processing System. The design goal of the shuttle's DPS was fail operational, fail safe reliability. After a single failure, the shuttle could still continue the mission. After two failures, it could still land safely. The four general purpose computers operated essentially in lockstep, checking each other. If one computer failed, the three functioning computers voted it out of the system. This isolated it from vehicle control. If a second computer of the three remaining failed, the two functioning computers voted it out. In the unlikely case of two out of four computers simultaneously failed, a 2-2 split, one group was picked at random. The backup flight system was separately developed software running on a fifth computer used only if the entire four computer primary system failed. The backup flight system was created because although the four primary computers were hardware redundant, they all ran the same software. So, a generic software problem could crash all of them. Embedded system avionics software was developed under totally different conditions from public commercial software. The number of code lines was tiny compared to a public commercial software. Changes were only made infrequently and with extensive testing. And many programming and test personnel worked on the small amount of computer code. However, in theory, it still could have failed. And the backup flight system existed for that contingency. While BFS could run in parallel with PASS, the BFF never engaged to take over control from PASS during any shuttle mission.
your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. On a piece of the planet, now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.